You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Repack presented by Acme Packing Company. I'm Justice Mosqueda. I'm joined here by Evan Tex Western. Say what's up to people, Tex. Hey, what's up, everybody? Um, when is the NFL going to you know, stop having a four-week preseason? Like, I really think yeah. they should go to three preseason games instead of four. Because uh, two years in a row, man, this is rough. Between this and my Oregon Ducks starting out the season with an absolute blowout. Ooh. Not great. Not a great way to start the football season. The uh, no. Green Bay Packers lost to the Minnesota Vikings. It was not pretty. It was not pretty at all. They lost no. to a tune of 23-7. to seven. Um, Could have been closer, I guess you could say. But even then, I don't think the... Uh, direct points add up right so we get the christian watson dropped could have been bomb touchdown that's yep. that could have been seven so we're up to 14 and then we get the uh the uh fourth and fourth and one was it the, yeah fourth uh, and goal option, of the one yep the read option play where rogers decided to hand it off instead of pull it himself um he said in the post game presser that he could have pulled it himself there and that was the right read because uh zadarius smith was just screaming off the edge so that would have gotten you to 21 21 still doesn't beat 24 though. Well, the and if they if they do that, then they're not going for it on fourth down uh towards the end of the game in the fourth That's quarter true. to kick a field goal Tied and that gets up. your yeah, that gets your extra three. So coming up with hypothetical know. wins. Oh, and oh, if this if, is what they do to us. Man, if if Watson doesn't drop that on the first play, this is a whole different offense, I think, right? Like maybe Rogers actually throws another ball to Watson again before the end of the fourth quarter. Um any any number of things you know can can happen from there but uh oh just just another frustrating ugly out of sync week one loss bright side special teams didn't look bad mostly mostly competent looking for the most part oh you know there was no, only one no return yeah no glaring issues <laughs> one punt return one extra point attempt no field goals Kind of hard to look bad in that scenario, but they were punting and they were holding up as punters. I will say with the the injuries that they had, you know, multiple linebackers going down and in in uh, Barnes and Walker, those guys I believe start next to each other in punt protection on the right side as guard and tackle. So if they go out, those are usually positions that they want to play inside linebackers at. And if they're out, I mean, they're kind of out of inside linebackers. So your your boy sense. your boy Ray Wilborn is going to get a call up next week. I feel pretty confident <laughs> in that. Well, and if I that's so. if that's a broken leg for Barnes, I mean that's a that's a yeah that was not that's good. that's at least a long term injury. He's going to go on IR. Wilborn probably comes up, takes his spot on the fifty three, um, and would imagine probably takes uh, takes some of those reps on special teams. Then, yeah, that seems like the most uh, significant injury of the yeah. game was definitely Barnes. He left, he was carted off with an air cast. We also had John Runyon jr. Uh, leave the game at left guard. Zach Tom replaced him. I thought Zach Tom 
did pretty good. Um, looked fine. Yeah, looked fine. Runyon got a concussion, literally banging Rogers' helmet on a sack. <laughs> that was not great. That wasn't great. I think Rogers said on that sack there was some sort of blown protection. And it sounded like he wasn't really putting a lot on the offensive line. It sounded like the tight ends kind of messed up. Um, so that's Yeah, we, I remember we had talked about a little bit. Somebody said something about maybe yelling at, at, at Tunyon, or maybe I'm getting plays confused now. I don't know. That was the interception. That's that was right. The interception. That's right. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, that's that's something that's interesting, too. Um, you know, we, we had talked about kind of coming into this game that, right tackle is almost more important than left tackle, right? For this Packers team in terms of Jenkins or Bakhtiari being able to suit up because the replacement at right tackle is Newman, which then puts um, Jake Hansen on the field. And Jake Hansen at right guard was getting his butt kicked. He literally gave up the Zadaria Smith sack that I had been having nightmares about this entire yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. He, he got that out of the way early too. I mean, that was yeah. early on in the first half and it just kind of was a, uh, that was one where you could could start to feel things just getting getting out of hand a little bit early uh, when that one when that one hit. Well, one thing Robert Tunyon actually said when he, I, I listened to the podcast he had on with uh, but Bus and the Boys, uh, the you know former yep. NFL guy. I guess Taylor Wan's not former, but I don't think he was on that show. But Tunyon was basically saying that like last year, one thing that really sucked for him is when he was coming back, he was finally able to kind of contribute as a pass catcher because their left tackle situation had kind of stabilized whereas when he came in he was more worried about um or, or they were using him more to like chip guys and i just kept thinking of like that chip that he had on like nick bosa and stuff and yep. i do kind of wonder like until bakhtiari comes back i don't know if they're gonna let robert tunyon like actually be the pass catcher that we're used to him being you know, they're just going to keep using yep. him as a as a chip guy. And it is what it is. They got to get through football games and stuff like that. But it's just like you could feel the ripple effects of Bakhtiari not being on the field, like felt throughout the offense. Right. Well, and do we do we feel good about him coming back next week against Chicago? I don't I don't know where I, I feel like we've we've felt so many times that we know that what's going on and play. Right. And th that's right. Woods Woods said that they were uh, Ryan Wood, I think, said that he was going to be out for for next week's game, too. Yeah, um, I, I don't if he's ready to play, put him out there. Like, what are we what are we waiting for? <laughs> I, him, both him and Jenkins. Like, let's I, I don't I don't really understand the uh, the approach. If you're if you're out there getting team reps in, in practice, um, I, I will be very curious to, to see if LeFleur gets it's picked on that a little bit this week in the pressers well last time did you hear him on friday what he said i think i, I don't think he talks sense no so yeah. on friday they asked him because he had the presser after practice right um david bakhtiari was a limited participant in wednesday and thursday he practiced in the team drills even though he was li listed as limited um and then he just didn't play at all on friday and they asked him like hey what's the reasoning for bakhtiari being out lafleur says yes I'm not really going to talk about injuries. The injury list is the injury list. And it's oh like, my God, dude, we're doing this again. He got hurt on new year's day, 2020 or new year's uh, Eve 2020. Like, I know that it wasn't your run of the mill ACL tear. I get that. And I get, yes. you know, everything that's going on. Um, but the, the, the coming back, the practicing, the going back and, and, and not playing like I, I, I feel for the guy. I, I, I'm sure he's, you know, Bakhtiari himself is as frustrated as anybody, if not more so than, than anybody else about this whole thing. 
uh it's just you, you it's just still leaving us with more questions and answers and it's kind of crazy too because they keep talking about you know we don't want to put these guys at long-term risk and i understand that all that right how much more long-term can you go with bakhtiari next yeah. year next year they can they can uh cut him and save cap space well, I mean, you're you also a massive contract. And you're you also it. putting Aaron Rodgers at long-term risk, right? Like yes. there was a moment there where we all thought that he was, you know, he was done. He was for stretching the game his neck. And... Four helmets hit that hit each other uh-huh. at the same time. That wasn't yeah. good. No, no. So you're 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 putting him at risk too with uh with not not putting these guys out there. So they're putting me know. at long-term risk. No longer <laughs> these guys don't stay out there. It is it is frustrating, and I don't want to put yeah. everything on the tackles. I mean, it's certainly. No, pass no. protection wasn't the biggest issue today. Um, honestly, it was probably the defense just not being able to pass off Justin Jefferson in quarters. Um, that was that was crazy. I've never seen the safeties get lit up the way that they were lit up today because that's Adrian, really where it seemed the problems were. Yeah, and Adrian Amos has been so good, so solid for so long for this team, right? Like he he f- feels like the best of those four big signings from 2019 so far uh certainly the one who's lived up to his contract the most um and and is the only guy who's still here now on that fourth year of that same deal cuz Preston got got his renegotiated and redone so to see him struggle as much as he did was very surprising and and rather disappointing um but yeah all of those crossers just just killing this team nonstop um well, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about Jair and some of the the stuff when we get to the defense, but but yeah, that that secondary needs to get its shit together real soon. Yeah. All right, let's start with the offense. Um, let's go into a deep dive. I guess we'll go position by position, just kind of like our thoughts. Quarterback. How bad was this game for Rodgers? It felt like he was just throwing a couple of them up, right? Like the interception, yep. to Randall Cobb. That was just screw it someone blew a protection i'm mad let's make something happen i trust randall like that's what that felt like to me there were some there were a couple of plays where it it felt like rogers from 2019 just chucks it out of bounds um and for some reason he was holding on to the ball a lot today it seemed like um even when pressure was bearing down on him i don't know if if he just didn't have like a good feel for the pressure in this game or or if you know, maybe, maybe some of that is a little bit of, of rust getting knocked off or what, but he just did not seem comfortable um, recognizing navigating through pressure uh, and then, you know, making a safer play as opposed to trying to hold on and, and see if a, a big play would, would develop. So that was a little frustrating to me. And then again, uh, you know, not going back to Watson at all after the deep ball um, I'm, you, you you always wonder about Rodgers with the rookie receivers, right? And and we know there's 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 mental mistakes that are taking place out there for these guys. He said it after the game that you know he'll live with the physical mistakes, but uh, it's the mental ones that that always drive him crazy. And we've known that about him for years, right? Guys running wrong routes, guys you know not being on the same page with him. That's gonna gonna always be the thing that that gets him yelled at. And I think we hit we definitely hit the over, right? On on number sure. of times Rogers was yelling at people. Um I think we might have hit it by halftime. So I, I think were... so too. Yeah. <laughs> we also we um, joked at halftime on the uh Twitter spaces. We joked, you know, three and a half over under Jordan Love passes in this game. And we hit the over. Yep. Yeah, that last drive. Um I don't know what I mean, the hell they were doing that last drive. Uh 
it must have just been getting him reps right yeah yeah i mean you're down 13 with what 35 seconds left just at that point throw him out there and and they they, they, spiked, does, they spiked it with one second left yeah they had to take kevin o'connell's getting ready to celebrate <laughs> his first win as an nfl head coach and they had to tell him to get back on the sideline they're actually running another play that was weird you yeah. usually don't see that i mean i'm sure i'm sure they knew right like we saw last year with who was it uh harbaugh and fangio where harbaugh was running lamar jackson at the end of a game in in kind of a similar situation because he wanted yeah. to keep the consecutive hundred yards rushing thing going. That's right. Yeah. But like, I guess it's different when the backup quarterback is in, but these are professional players. Like the last thing you want to do, if you are, if you're the Minnesota Vikings in that spot is like, get one of your players hurt going against Jordan love and meaningless minutes. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. the preseason was for. He didn't get enough reps <laughs> in the preseason. Come on. Well, and then that uh, that play after the spike was like a twenty three yarder to to Watson, I think yeah. too, right? So I thought he became I thought he became the team leader in receiving yards after that. But I had <laughs> I hadn't looked at it. Uh, I hadn't looked at it closely. Um, yeah. Speaking of preseason and Russ getting knocked off, Rogers made it pretty clear in the uh, post game presser that he didn't want people writing about uh, how the team needs to play in preseason this year. Yeah, I thought that was funny. The, yeah. the other thing we talked about this in the APC slack during the entire game, because we started seeing like this narrative kind of just started, ha- started to happen on like Twitter. Like you can just see it like naturally people just coping. Right. The Vikings didn't play in the preseason either. Exactly. So what's their excuse? And they yeah. have a brand new offense and defense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that argument doesn't hold up for me at all. Uh, especially the, the way that this game went, knowing that Minnesota was, was doing the exact same thing. Um, so no, I don't I don't buy that one bit. As far as the running backs go, um, they did do some penny stuff. It or some pony stuff. It was uh pony is the the two back personnel stuff that they do. Um it was interesting that they just basically ran the same stuff from last year. I yeah. mean it's a good one of the guys in jet motion, it's one of the guys doing a bubble, like it's it's not very creative. Like one guy's going to run a bubble and for a screen and the other guy's going to stay in the box and Rogers is going to RPO count it. Like, yeah, know. there was, there were no real wrinkles to it. And I, I, I can only hope that they've got some stuff coming and that they maybe trying to try to reserve it for uh, as the season goes along, because yeah, there was nothing there that, that we haven't seen before. As far as creativity. Cause we did see, you know, we, one, it was surprising that they only had, two running backs on the active roster, I thought, yeah. in the game day roster. The fact that they didn't call up either Goodson or uh, Patrick Taylor, I thought was a little surprising. Um, mm-hmm. but, Especially if you're going to use that much pony, right? Yeah. You know, if you're going to put your your two only two active running backs on the field together that much, um, would think you'd have a, a backup plan, unless Amari was the backup plan. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, but Amari yeah. didn't take any snaps there. No. Right? The only real creative thing I think I saw in the run game I guess here's two points of note for the run game. One, they're running power more than they usually mm-hmm. do, where they pull a guard. Um, they really – the Packers are probably, in terms of, like, the percentages, right? Like, they they pull their guards less than just about anybody in the league, if not anybody, right? Yeah. Um, so the fact that they were doing that, especially with uh, Jake Hansen in at right guard, I thought that mm-hmm. was kind of surprising that they were doing that when he was kind of being featured in that way. Because it's it's a lead block right? Like you're kind of almost featuring those guys when, yep. when you're running plays like that. So they were doing that. They were running RPOs and stuff off of that stuff. 
And then um, the other thing were the end rounds, right? Right. They had the, both of the rookies got an end around. Rodgers led block for one of them and was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm giving Zadarius a shoulder. And Zadarius was like, I'm giving Aaron Rodgers a shoulder. Rodgers got decleated, tried to stay. It looked like uh, it looked like a boxer trying to stand up when he's like clear, like the lights are off. he just like stood up and he was like punch drunk and then like fell back down and then stood up again but they seemed uh happy Zedarius flexed over him it was kind of funny yeah that was uh that was an interesting little little sequence but yeah seeing both of the both of the rookies get a little bit of a a chance um on those end rounds was was nice um Watson did a ton of that at North Dakota State Mm -hmm. so you know that's a that's something you know that that he's capable of doing and um, I thought he he probably a, a, a slower receiver a guy without his speed probably doesn't even make it to the edge on his because there was somebody kind of in the backfield on that uh, that left side that he was able to just outrun to the corner and then turn it upfield a little bit for about what eight eight yard gain something like that um, and then Dobbs with Dobbs was was a little more of a reverse right because there was a uh, mm-hmm handoff coming to the right and then he he took the pitch back to the left and and picked up a first down so nice little burst and, and wiggle from both of those guys and i mean dobbs had a, a pretty you know a, a pretty efficient day receiving too uh four catches 37 yards long uh, had a 23 yarder um that one was i think after a, a sack or something on like a second and long um so real real nice quick uh digging the offense out of a hole at that at, at that point with his long catch so i thought he had a, a nice nice debut and and obviously you know watson with the the drop is going to be the thing that we're going to remember for for a long long time <laughs> yeah i i gotta i gotta feel like like the poor guy if if he ends up not like being a, a really good solid receiver for this team for some reason everybody's always going to end up looking back at that play and thinking well if he had only caught that ball maybe he wouldn't have been a bust so Confidence. um yeah totally so changed I, I mean, six seconds right <laughs> so obviously like i don't i don't think that's going to be a career altering play but it just it just sucks that like i said first snap of his nfl career because he sits out the entire preseason and uh and that happens i just feel bad for the kid so as far as so this is kind of a running back and receiver point lafleur and rogers basically said that they want to get all the receivers and all the running backs more touches and i don't really understand how that works because they were counting off you know, you know, uh, Aaron Jones got 10 touches or whatever it was. And AJ Dillon only got 10 and Sammy Watkins was basically out, you know, for most of the game, just like hanging outside and and not getting a single touch. And they're like, we got to get those guys the ball more. What does that mean? Uh, Like, you just want, you want to be on the field for more often. Like, it's not like you were giving the, like you were feeding another guy. It's not like they were feeding the tight ends or anything like that. Right. I mean, there, there were four guys who had five targets or more in this game. Um, another couple with three and four targets. So like they, he spread around the targets pretty evenly across this whole group. Um, I mean, hell Dylan was the the leader in targets with six and receptions with five. So um, this isn't like, you know, like a, a situation where you're feeding Devante 15 targets a game anymore. I don't know what, I don't know how much more evenly you need to distribute the the football than that. Yeah. I just, I didn't get that part really. No. Do you have any more thoughts on wide receiver other than like Sammy Watkins? He was what? on the field for three quarters, but we yeah. didn't see him until the fourth. He, he existed. Um, I, I still thought Winfrey was going to, when he got called up from the practice squad, I thought they were going to use him more on some of the, the Lazard stuff, yeah. the, the slot, the big slot 
blocking type of plays because because they used him that way a little more in the preseason. Um, they used Watson a lot on that kind of that kind of thing. I mean, there was the the touchdown run. He was kind of the end man on the line, um, and and held up pretty well, I thought there. Um, so certainly that's something he's done in college too. So I I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if they end up using him more in that role a little bit too, especially if Lazard uh, ends up being out for, for any length of time, but that's about all I got. What I thought was kind of interesting was like Cobb Watson and Dobbs all basically split the same amount of snaps. I didn't mm-hmm. think that Cobb was going to play that many snaps. I mean, I know he's Rogers safety blanket almost to the point that it's like comical or ironic or something. Right. But like, I, I didn't realize he was going to get so many snaps. I thought he was just going to play third downs. Yeah. That's really all he had done up until this point in, you know, his year in Green Bay under the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly varied up the formations, right? Again, a lot of pony, a lot of two tight end stuff. So we saw a lot of 21, a lot of 12, a little bit of 22 here and there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I just kind of assume that that's probably how it's going to be uh, moving forward. The The big difference might be they might run a little more, you know, 21 if Lazard comes back and, and pull a tight end off. Um but it'll just be interesting to see how they decide to uh, build this out moving forward. As far as the tight ends go, I don't feel like there's that much to explain. Like nope. Tanyan does look like he's healthy from his injury, which like mm-hmm. he's on the field. It's kind of assumed, but it's nice to see him be able to run like the wind again. Yeah. Made a, made a couple nice cuts, uh, pulled away from a guy on that uh, play action crosser that he had that went for about 20 yards. So that was nice. Um yeah, he looks he looks faster in the open field than I remember. And maybe it's just that we don't tend to see him in the open field all that much. But right. uh he looked like he was moving pretty good there. So yeah, I'm excited about there. him coming back. I kind of I put down a bet that he was gonna lead the team in receiving yards, I think. And I took like the over of like 50 or something like that. I I lost a ton of money today. <laughs> so much. So much. I needed the Jets uh, on like a bunch of six-point teasers. It was a bad. It was a bad weekend. Uh, no. um, offensive line wise, kind of what was expected, right? Like, yeah, Newman's a little iffy. Hanson is not as good as Tom. Yep, that's kind of my takeaways. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. boys, hopefully, uh, uh, Runyon is healthy moving forward because I mean he's probably one of the more underrated guards in the league. I think. Yeah. Agreed. It, it it was interesting that the running game seemed to get going a little bit after Runyon went out and Tom came in. Yeah, that was um, weird. Yeah, I don't know that that was necessarily you know there, there's a direct causation there, but I mean that was that next drive was uh, Jones had his big 29 yard run um, off off left tackle I think, mm-hmm. um, and then Dylan had a couple of big ones on that drive. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, there was a and and Josh Myers is is there and you don't have to really think about him, which is nice. So at least appreciate that, that, uh, that he looks like he's, you know, going to be a, you know, a nice solid eight to 10 year starter that you can pretty much plug and play and not really have to worry about. But um, yeah, again, a lot of those chips with Nyman, right. Helping him out um, on that side. I think that's, that's going to just end up being, being the, the situation that the Packers are going to have to live with until Bakhtiari comes back on that left side. So the Packers only had one uh, extra point or field goal, right? But I thought it was interesting. Basically, the way uh, the protection worked out up front, right? You have your guys who are basically the offensive linemen. Then you have the tight ends. Then you have the wings on field goal team. 
essentially everyone up up front, like on the line to the tight end, was an offensive lineman outside of Dean Lowry, who ends up playing on the left side, and uh, Slayton, who ends up playing at, I believe, right tackle. So that was kind of expected. Um, so they were able to kind of fill out that protection team, even being down bodies on the offensive line. So I thought that that was kind of nice. They also at the left wing, they played an offensive lineman at the right wing. They played uh, Tyler Davis. That's a huge difference compared to last year where, you know, Tyler Lancaster was playing the left wing. Yeah, yeah. And now you have an offensive lineman out there. That certainly will help. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, nothing to add. <laughs> Just hopefully, hopefully Runyon's back and and this team can actually be at full strength on, uh, you know, on the offensive line and have a full complement of guys that they can can use wherever they need to plug them in there. Yeah. All right, let's take a break and then we'll get into the defense. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right. Defensively, I just went through, uh, before we recorded this, I charted uh, the alignment and personnel that Green Bay was in. On the defensive side, um, 33 snaps in nickel, 15 snaps in uh, base 3-4, 9 snaps in penny, which is like, uh, think of like the 3-4 minus an inside linebacker plus a nickel back. That's what penny is. They played 3 snaps in a 4-3. Three snaps and a 6-1, which is like four defensive tackles, if you want to think of it that way. Um, and then only one snap in time. So we do have some pretty big differences here. You know, mm-hmm. basically, last year, they would basically play three safety dime on any third and long, and they weren't really doing that, you know, in this game. Um, one snap of dime, it came with a four-corner dime, which is really only what they started using after, what was it, the Baltimore game? Yep, when they brought, yeah, when Kevin King came in for Henry Black, yeah. Yeah, so these safeties, I mean, they they had six safeties potentially to be available, and then they uh, healthy scratched Tariq Carpenter, the seventh-round uh, rookie. So they ended up having five, but really three of those spots are just like special teams only. So I guess yep. that was kind of nice to see early on because now, now the roster moves are starting to make 
a little bit more sense when we were worried, like, who the heck comes in on, on third and long at safety? Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, they were just not going to play that guy. Yep. Yeah, and it's it, the the decision to uh, to keep Abernathy on the practice squad or get him back on the practice squad and keep Tariq Carpenter on the uh, on the 53, given that Abernathy was active and Carp- brought up you know, from the practice squad, Carpenter was deactivated for the game. Um, that's all draft pick status, right? Like that's, that's the, Absolutely. that's purely, that's purely contract. That's purely the fact I think that, you know, they probably didn't want to take a little bit of a dead cap hit with uh, whatever little, little seventh round signing bonus that uh, <laughs> the Carpenter has. Cause um, clearly they're, they're comfortable playing, uh, playing Abernathy ahead of him, which I think is what we all expected. Um, even when he got, he got released and, and sent to the practice squad. But yeah, because I, I think Carpenter was like safety eight technically on yeah. the depth chart at one point. So yeah, this, I is, think this it, is where you see the front office coaching split, right? Mm-hmm. The front office can pick the fifty three, but that doesn't mean that they have to play. Yep, I think we uh, we also noted that that one dime snap was probably Keyshawn Nixon's only snap on defense of the game, and the poor guy got hurt and might have like yeah. dislocated his shoulder on that play. So yeah looked like he was laying down on his back on the sideline like having something pop back in so we'll see where you know whether or not he's able to to go this next week but the the four three six one stuff i mean especially the four three the, a lot of that was on that opening drive which i thought was really interesting that's not a look that I, I don't remember seeing that look really from this defense at all last year i remember they would do four three stuff not the way that they played it in this game but they would use four three personnel against uh uh, offense is coming out so like within 10 yards of a safety like they would they would play that type of stuff I remember they did it in the San Francisco game a couple times um, but they didn't play it like the way that they did in this game so think of like the normal 4-3 how you think it that's kind of how they lined up except for imagine the outside linebackers on the line of scrimmage and those outside linebackers ended up being you know, Devondre Campbell and uh, Quay Walker with Chris Barnes playing the mic. And now, now that Chris Barnes is hurt, who knows if they go back to that, if they're comfortable with McDuffie doing that, all that stuff, but they were, they were doing it a couple of times in this game. I thought it was interesting too. the six, one stuff. When people think of that, the six, right. It's four interior defensive linemen, the linemen up front and then two edge rushers. So it was them trying to get like really heavy on the line of scrimmage. That was in four minute. Um, going against Minnesota at the end of the game where they knew Minnesota obviously was going to try to run the ball and they were just trying to stuff that out. Um, outside of those, like what I would call exotics, right? So like uh, being in nickel personnel, but like lining up in a very weird way or being in the three, four and like lining up in a penny and having Devondre Campbell play in the slot, right? Like stuff like that. Um, I would call those exotics. The Packers ran six exotics on the first drive and only two for the rest of the game on the defensive side. So if you yeah. watch that first drive, you're like, this Packers defense is a completely different thing that I've ever seen. And then the rest of the game was just basically like same three, old Joe four, Barry. three, four nickel penny. And it's like, yeah. oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah. It was weird. And I don't know if it was because they did drive down the field on that first drive. Right. And I don't know if it's just like them saying, let's <laughs> go back to what we do. Let's do something simple. Let's execute. But like they weren't doing that either. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The the six one stuff was or, or or rather the the four three stuff playing the three inside linebackers, right? Putting Campbell and Walker and Chris Barnes all out together. Yeah. Um that that was that was a possibility that hadn't even occurred to me. Um I've I've 
suspect probably hadn't occurred to most Packers fans out there. Um, but yeah, to your, to your point, I just wonder if it's one of those, well, it didn't work. So let's just trash it and scrap it. kind of, yeah. yeah, just kind of go to what, uh, what we, what we are familiar and comfortable running and, and try to revisit it again later. And the Packers have scrapped stuff before, especially at, because of the linebackers. Like last year they opened up, they were really a nickel team, right? I mean, they were a nickel and three, four team that played dime on third downs and the guys were Barnes and Campbell. Then they started playing Penny because they didn't trust Barnes to be a consistent player on the field. Then they brought in Jalen Smith. And then they had that weird thing where like Barnes would play in three, four Jalen Smith would play in the nickel. And then they were like, well, that didn't work either. So I guess we'll just go back to being a nickel team with <laughs> Barnes and, and Campbell. It was, it's kind of been a rotating, uh, I don't know. It's just been like a rotating cast of like identities on the defensive side because of their linebacker playing. I think injuries aren't going to help them there either. I mean, if yeah. Walker goes down, who knows? Like if, if Walker's down for any significant amount of time, are they just going to play Penny again? Maybe yeah. they might because do they want to play McDuffie every single down? I don't know if they do. Yeah. Especially I, when those guys have to play on special teams too. Like Campbell might have yep. to play on special teams down just because of the body type. Yeah. Well, like I said, Wilborn's coming up that much, I think is, is yeah. about a done deal. So um, this is just the, the, the early injuries are a, you know, a relief that they were able to get all the guys back out of the practice squad that they wanted this year. I think that's, uh, that's, that's something that we can at least be thankful for at this point. For sure. And one thing that's, I guess not really been being talked about, but it's like a very nerdy thing to care about is so players, when they go on uh, injured reserve, they do still count against the salary cap. Right. And I know that's like intuitive, but like people don't really think about it. So when you look at the Packers cap space and they're doing all these moves to get these guys that they put on IR um, in in the preseason, you know, they're trying to get them injury settlements. So they no longer count, you know, their full contract against the cap and, that you're going to have somewhere between six and $10 million in cap space by the time all of it is done. Right. Um, they can't afford to put too many people on IR. Like they, right. they might be in a position where like you just kind of like deal with it and you let the guys stay on your roster instead of putting them on IR. Or the only guys you do put on IR are like guys on short-term injury. Like they're going to be very conservative with like actually paying guys out a full six, 17 weeks to not play football. Yeah, it's uh, I feel like I remember last year, there were a couple of weeks where they carried 51, 52 guys on the 53. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for for that exact reason, right, to, they had they had put a couple guys on injured reserve, but didn't necessarily want to have the matching call ups from the practice squad to put them on full pay status. Um, and so I, I, I got to imagine that that was kind of an accounting thing last year. And yeah, I won't be surprised if they do that again, at least. Right. With with like Wilborn, for example, um, there's no financially, there's no reason not to just leave him on the practice squad for two, three weeks. Let him use his call ups, his game day activations, and then bring him back on, you know, bring him up onto the 53 at that point, because you're essentially saving what three, three weeks worth of uh, min, you know, league minimum salary game checks as opposed to practice squad uh, game checks. Yeah, for sure. And we saw that a couple times last year right so we saw yep. we saw winfrey get called up after he had played three games and he got three off of the practice squad because of covid right which is 
how you end up getting that extra third. Usually you can only get called up twice. You can get called up a third time if you're a COVID replacement. And then we saw Ladarius Hamilton get cut off of the the 53, go back down to the practice squad and get called up off of the practice squad like immediately, right? Just weird little mechanics that are now available Mm -hmm. on on the roster. Um, As far as the defensive line goes, I don't know if I had too many takeaways. I mean, I thought it was interesting. Slayton got so much burn early yeah. on. It looked like Slayton was looking good. Yeah, Kenny that was obviously a monster. Yep. Slayton good. was my one big, uh, big takeaway that it seemed like they rotated him in there a lot. Um, I don't, I don't know what the, the snap counts look like. We'll, we'll check that out Monday morning. Um, and I'll make sure to, to make a point of, of paying attention to that. But um, it'll be interesting to see if that was just purely, Slayton taking reps from Kenny to to keep Kenny fresh but when he was out there I mean Slayton was playing well um made a couple of nice stops um I think he had a couple of good stops in the running game in the second half too so kind of keeping his momentum going from a from a strong preseason um but yeah Kenny as usual kind of you know taking Garrett Bradbury to school uh but outside of that it didn't feel like there was a real consistent push from the rest of the front no, I agree. I think Lowry probably had more splash plays than Reed. And then, yeah, I don't know if Wyatt made a play that night. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw, I saw him on the field once or twice chasing a play down from behind. And that was, that was about it. Yeah. As far as the pass rushers go, um, didn't really notice any of the backups, either good or bad, which is probably An improvement. a good sign. Yeah. I yeah. think that's probably a good sign that I wasn't paying attention that much. You know, yep. Preston Smith still a great edge setter. Rashawn Gary still a great pass rusher who can't uh, keep contained. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. I feel like yep. we know who these guys are at this point. And until one of these backups step up, um, I don't think anything changes. Yeah, I we know we talked about it at halftime a little bit, but I, I was noticing in the second quarter that when they started rotating guys out a little bit, instead of batch rotating both of the starting edge rushers out for backups, they would do them kind of one at a time. And so you'd have um, instead of you know, swapping out both of them and having Garvin and Enigbare on the field together, it was like Preston Smith and Enigbare together and then for a couple snaps, and then you'd swap those two guys out and you'd have Gary and Garvin um, or, or some combination there, right? Um, where where you at least still had one of your two um, starters on the field at all times, which seems to me to be a better approach, especially when the depth at that position is highly questionable and unproven. <laughs> You'd rather find a way to make damn sure that you've got one of your two known quantities um, on the field at all times. A hundred percent agree. I think that was the right call by them. And again, all these exotics and stuff that we were talking about, um, it's really to put their inside linebackers in a position to rush the passer. Right. And it was nice to see them take the step that way because we really didn't see that last year. Like I can think of a handful of times where they were using uh, Devondre as a pressure guy, but they weren't really using it consistently. And the fact that like Quay can now play that Mike, right. That like Penny type of Mike where he's the only inside linebacker now allows them to be able to play Devondre on the edge. And I mean, he's built like an outside linebacker, right. And he's honestly probably better at it than any of the guys that they have other than Preston and Rashawn Gary. So if you can get, you know, you can save them more reps, save their legs a little bit and use him there. Like it's not a bad call. Yeah, and you could do the same thing with Quay, I think. I think you could mm-hmm. use those guys a little bit interchangeably um, and, and put them both uh, on the edge from, from well, time to time. I think that's time. why when they went 4-3, so like if, if 
Campbell ever went down and Walker was healthy, right? I think that's why they when they went in the four three, Barnes was the guy playing Mike, right? Yeah. And Walker yep. and Campbell were the guys who were walked down. Because I don't think a guy like Barnes would be able to do stuff like that. Like he's right. Probably he's way too small, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So no, it'll be uh man. Just uh, Quay Quay brings the heat though. Man, he is he, he is fun to watch fly to the football. He made some some real nice nice sticks in this game um young player he's gonna have to kind of clean things up in in coverage a little bit but that's that's kind of to be expected but uh yeah he he's got a nice nice violent streak he closes quick on the football um it was it was fun to see him shut down a few uh short gains uh in the passing game especially out along the sidelines uh, I, th- I thought he he really showed up pretty well uh in that aspect of the game and they had some tough matchups i mean you could tell this Minnesota Vikings team was well coached just based off of the matchups that they were able to get. Like they were able yep. to get in really specific formations that would then put like Preston Smith on Justin Jefferson or, or Quay Walker yeah. on Justin Jefferson. And it's like, you're only giving up what five to eight yards on those. You're not going to get an explosive out of it, but if you can get them into this really specific set, you can get a freebie on them, you know? Yep. And they were able to do that. What they were doing was a lot of, uh kind of what green bay does so they were getting in the i guess it's closer to like what the rams were doing with uh when jared goff was there it's just 11 personnel under center stuff and it becomes a really hard thing to do where if you want to play a too high defense you're down a body in the box um especially and and they're in 11 so you don't know if they're going to be a gun passing team or if they're going to actually be willing to run it under center and when you have guys like thielen and uh kj who is doing the insert alan lazard stuff right i mean it becomes a really hard thing to deal with i mean it's why green bay runs the offense the way that they did i mean kind of sucked because you watch it defensively and you're like oh they're doing the fangio coverage stuff on defense like the vikings played penny penny is something that like the rams chargers and packers were basically the only teams that did last year and then you watch them offensively and you're like they're doing the same crap we're doing on that side of the ball too this sucks so it, it kind of felt like it almost felt like, especially with the way Green Bay's defense so quickly went away from the pressure pack or the uh, sub package stuff, it felt like Minnesota had a lot more film on what Green Bay likes to do than Green Bay had on Minnesota. Yeah. I guess it's yep. the way it makes Like, I don't know if this is the same. Like, if you replay this next week, I don't think this game goes this way. But whatever. It's week one. It happened. You live with it. Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, next time you see this team, it'll be week 17 in Lambeau you know, around New Year's, uh, that'll, I think, affect pretty substantially what what type of game we see. And, and yeah, then we'll have 16, 15, 16 weeks worth of, uh, of tape on this Minnesota team to to get a little bit better feel for, for what they're trying to do. As far as the DBs go, <laughs> I think Arif <laughs> was right about Eric Stokes. Not, not that he sucks, just that, like, the Vikings get the best of him. Yeah, I was gonna and say if the sucks. only if the only times you ever see Eric Stokes are when he's playing against Minnesota, yeah, you probably think he's not any good. Yeah, he was he was really good against just about everybody else last season. So, but yeah, in this one early on, it seemed like he was getting picked on, and uh, and then they just you know continued to find ways to to get him wide open. Um, you know, once they once the corners were passing him off to the safeties, and I think this is a really bad matchup for him just in terms of the spacing. Because, you know, Rasul and Jair are guys who, how should I explain? Like, they they have better change of direction. They have better hips, right? 
Yep. And Stokes very much uses the sideline as a help defender in the same way, kind of like Richard Sherman did. And the fact that he's fast and is so long definitely helps him. But when a wide receiver, you know, the the number one wide receiver and the number two wide receiver are lining up within five yards of the tight end, yep. you, you really don't have very much help from the sideline, right? And I think that's what ends up biting him in the butt a little bit. But with that being said, I still think when you watch the film, just based off of the angles that were uh, on the on the broadcast copy, uh, we'll watch the all twenty two tomorrow. But I think Adrian Amos had the worst game out of, out of anyone. Yeah. He was getting burned, and he was just like was not switching on these guys when they were playing quarters. And if you don't switch, guys are going to be butt naked, wide open, twenty five yards down the field like they were today. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting quote from Russell Douglas, and and I love I love Russell, right? Like he is one of the most entertaining interviews of any Packer I think I've ever, I've ever seen, but there's a quote from him. He says that he doesn't feel like it was as bad as it seems, but we just let little shit happen. And then more shit happened. And the next thing, you know, just all of that shit happened. <laughs> so that's what it felt like to me. So yeah, just, uh, but, but when it's, when it's the same guy over and over and over again, and um, I mean, the only, the only play that we really saw that was notable with where Jair was actually covering Jefferson they Jefferson got flagged for OPI and mm-hmm. you know Jair used the sideline as a as a defender and he forced it or it was an incomplete pass anyway so why why were you not using him to shadow a little more um why do the Packers why do the Packers just refuse to do that it seems like whether it's under Petten whether it's Barry now they just will not let Jair shadow and I just I just don't understand it, especially when he said after the game that he was asking for it. He wanted yeah. to be uh, matched up with Jefferson all game long. Like what's, what's the thought process here that I'm missing that, that they're, they're going by that they don't want him doing that. I don't know. Cause I would okay. trust Russell on the outside <laughs> with feeling. Yeah. You know, unless they're trying to do something like save his shoulder because of last season and they just paid him all that money. I, I don't know. I mean, you hear stories about the Packers front office and how weird they are about even considering paying a guy who plays in the slot just because they don't really value that. It's, it's weird, right? Like they, they, what they basically didn't offer Casey Hayward or Micah Hyde uh, contract extensions because the coaching staff would use them in the slot. And it's like 70% of 70% of targets are happening, you know, in condensed formations where, outside receivers are basically in the slot or coming out of the slot. So cover that area of the field. I don't get it. The other thing about, um, the other thing about Jefferson is he wasn't even playing in the slot. I know people were talking about moving him around all that stuff. Like he had one snap and as the running back and pistol, right. That happened in the second drive. And then outside of that, he had a couple snaps in the slot, really not that many. The rest of it, he was just like lining up outside and half the time he was lining up on Jair and then just running a crosser across his face because they had to pass it in coverage. And then the other guy wouldn't snap onto him. And it's like, what the heck? It can't be that easy. Yeah. It's got to be harder than that. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you, you had one guy that you, you really felt like could beat you on, on this Vikings offense, right? Like Adam Thielen's not going to be the guy to put up 200 yards and two touchdowns against you. He's just not that guy anymore. Um I mean, I, I didn't feel like Dalvin Cook was going to be the guy. You you know Jefferson is the guy you have to account for on every play. And 
um, to, to just let him somehow continue over and over and over with the explosive plays. Uh, that's, it's just, it's, it's maddening and it's frustrating to watch. And Kirk didn't Kirk. Yeah. Sucked. Yeah. I can't think of one, like could have been intercepted ball. Now that sucks. Yeah. I thought there we were, were good co- for one or two or three. Yeah. And there were a couple of, uh, there were a couple of plays where he got, got something away just before going down with a sack too, which was yeah. annoying. So I think Gary had the only sack of the game for the Packers defense. If I remember I right. Believe so that one yeah. early on in the first half. So I was, I was all on the, all right, the, the Rashawn Gary defensive player of the year campaign begins now. And then, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't get a whole lot of pressure. Most of the rest of that game on him. Um, couple other points on the defensive side, just like notes that I wrote down um, that Gary sack happened on like a three by one front with a, with a mm, nickel mm-hmm. behind it. So that was like very Seattle Seahawks. If you guys want to go look up that play, um, they basically have they you think of uh, offenses left, right on the offensive line, line straight down uh, the center. So you have two defensive tackles and an edge rusher on one side and then one edge rusher on the other. So you basically guarantee one-on-ones on one side of the field. It's what the Seattle Seahawks used to do as their kind of uh, nickel pass rushing package when all they were doing was running base cover three and stuff like that. They That put uh, Gary into a position where he was matched head up on a guard and he beat the crap out of that guard. So yeah. that was kind of fun to see that. I think that was the second drive. Yeah. Second drive of the game. Um, they only ran one uh, sub package after that, like one pressure package after that. Yeah. Very weird. I don't understand what the heck went on in that game. Um, and then the other thing that I was going to say, uh, the uh, 11 personnel under center stuff that Minnesota was running, putting Green Bay in a really hard position to be able to fit the run when they were playing two high safeties. If you uh, go to the fourth drive of the game, it's, in, it's the second drive of the second quarter. Uh, KJ lines up basically as a wing tight end, which puts Russell Douglas in a spot where he has to play Sam linebacker. So he's like strong side outside linebacker. Think of like uh, like KJ Wright, right? That's something that like KJ Wright does. And Russell was in that position, just overruns the run by about five yards into the backfield. Yeah. And Galvin Cook was able to get some yards when he probably should have been stuffed for probably like minus four. Those were the tricky things that like Minnesota was trying to do. And again, this used to be a thing that was unique with the Packers. Like no one really used, I guess like Tampa probably used like uh, Chris Godwin in the same way that the Packers used Alan Lazard, but there are few and far between uh, examples. And now that Minnesota is doing it, it's a little bit annoying that it's happening to our defense now. <laughs> yeah. You don't like seeing your own, own tricks being used against you. Mm-mm. No That's a bummer. So I don't, I mean, I don't like if you're the Packers DC this week, if you're Joe Barry, like, what do you do? Like maybe you need to stunt more, but you, you jam up so many bodies on that defensive line running a three, four with uh, you know, the, the ends on the outside shade of the guards and the penny front, which is basically the same front on the defensive line. Like, can you even stunt those guys? And do yeah. you even want to stunt Kenny Clark? Or do you just want to like have him run through the center's face? I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of easy answers other than next week. Adrian Amos needs to pick up crossers. <laughs> <laughs> that would help. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, at, at least 
the Packers won't have a Justin Jefferson to deal with in the uh, Bears receiving core next week. Sure won't. You see <laughs> uh, Velas Jones inactive. Yeah, he was he was a little banged up, wasn't he? Oh, I don't know. I think I, I think I, I saw, saw I think I saw he was banged up this week. But uh, our our old buddy Equinemius got a touchdown for the Bears this week. So that a boy. Uh, good, they have good, turf good for him on, on soldier field now i thought it was grass they changed out the grass it's an it's a different kind of grass uh but yeah it's it's still natural grass but slip they... and slide oh my god that was that Did was you... a mess today i i i saw some of those those highlights it was uh ugly. yeah yikes i feel like every niners bears game in chicago looks like yeah too. Uh-huh. the only other one i can think of is the kaepernick game which is another just torrential rainforest game yep or that, that where they threw like 10 times the entire game that was crazy <laughs> uh, okay we got to get into vibe checks and then uh we'll get we'll be on our way offense vibe check i'm i'm at like a six these guys need to get healthy i need these guys to get healthy the fact that alan lazard said uh they asked him on friday what he needs to do to get ready and be able to play on sunday and he said pray <laughs> Not a great sign. No, because I think it's going to be Sammy again next week. And then we're going to be like, oh, we should have given everyone the ball more, more touches. And it's like, you got to stay on the field to do that. So I don't know what to tell you, bud. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, if, if Runyon misses any time, we know, you know, box probably not going to play based on that reporting. Like I'm, I'm feeling pretty pessimistic. I'm at like a four, four and a half. Like it just, it just felt clunky. And this is, you know, coming off of that performance against San Francisco in the playoffs where it was sort of the same thing, right? You had one thing go wrong early in the game and then everything else just kind of goes to shit. Um, I, I hope that they can, they can turn this around and, and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's as simple as not getting behind big so you can rely on the running game a little bit more and, uh, and not have to, to do your drop back passing game as much, but um, yeah, based based just on today and and where we're sitting with some of those injuries, like I don't feel great about this this situation, at least in the immediate future. Hopefully they'll they'll figure it out over the next couple of weeks, though. Two points here. First, I agree with you, and I don't know how to quantify it, but that de- that like getting punched in the mouth, right? Like whatever metric there would be for getting punched <laughs> in the mouth, I feel like the Packers rank very low. Yeah, because it's not like they're because they're not a soft team in terms of how they play football, right? They yeah. can run downhill with AJ Dillon and they can get a lot of yards and tough yards doing it. It almost seems like side. a weird mentality thing, right? Yeah. It's like they go down two scores and it's just like, well, there that game went. Yeah. I don't know if it's maybe that's a coaching thing, right? Maybe that's a, a coaching staff that doesn't really, doesn't really know how to handle you know, being down big. And and finding a way to come back. I don't know. Maybe that, that's that's the only thing I can come up with there. The other thing I will say, the Minnesota Vikings might be one of the best teams that they have to face in like the next two months. You look at the schedule, Chicago at Tampa. Mentally, I'm already at one or two. I'm yeah. like, we're gonna beat the Bears, we're gonna lose to Tampa. I've come to peace with that. Then yeah. after that, it's the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders before they play the Bills. It's not the worst, not the worst yeah. stretch. I mean, I could see them starting one and two and then being five and two. Five and two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah. out of the question. No, not at all. So I think uh how they how they respond in that Tampa game, you know, that that this this feels very much just like 
how things went last year, right? Come out of the gate, get smacked around in week one, um, have a divisional game that you probably should win at home in prime time in week two. Last year it was the Lions on a, I think it was Monday night. Now you got the Bears coming in. And then week three, you have a road game against one of your your other NFC rivals, right? Last year it was this, the 49ers. Um, they found a way to to win that game in pretty miraculous fashion. And then, uh, you know, this year, see how that goes in Tampa. And then a, an easy stretch to kind of get your your get your feet back under you a little bit. It it almost feels like things could set up very similarly um, to the way things things went last year. We'll just kind of have to see what happens in week three in that Tampa game. Speaking of Tampa, I'm watching Sunday Night Football as we record this. It's the third quarter. It looks like Donovan Smith, their left tackle, just went down. He did, yeah. Goodness gracious. These guys are going to have no offensive linemen by week three. I mean, if – if That's the Packers bad. I mean, have you're a, talking about the, cluster injuries at a position yeah. you can't afford cluster injuries at. If the Packers still have a healthy defensive front, that could be a uh that could be a, a big game changing matchup in, in that in that game if uh if Gary and Kenny Clark can get going. Yeah. Defensive vibe check. I feel still pretty good about the defense. I just feel like they're so talented. I know Stokes had some hesitation. Quay Walker looks a little bit young. Um, Amos might've had his worst game in green Bay. That seems pretty uncharacteristic for him. He's a team captain and all that. I'm, I'm going to say like a seven moving forward. I understand this game wasn't good, but I mean, they didn't, it's not like they allowed 50 points today either. No, I'm with you. I'm right about that same spot. And, and you think of what do they do after halftime? They gave up two field goals. That's even with, you know, Jefferson, you know, getting another couple of catches for 70 yards or something in the second half. That's a, that's a solid, you know, they, they gave the offense a chance to get back in this game um, after, after a, a rough first half. So um, I think they're going to be okay on that side of the ball. Um, I think health again, you know, we'll see, hopefully Quay is, is okay and can come back. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet as long as safeties figure out what the heck they're doing. Overall, just like team vibes, I guess I what I said six and seven, so like six and a half. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, that's good yeah. for me. Yeah, I'm like a six. Just I I I, I don't know what I was expecting, <laughs> right? <laughs> like we saw this happen last year, week one. We got a whole you know whole new Minnesota staff, um, and and a team that we catching Minnesota at the wrong time, right? When they're fully healthy, they've got all their guys. Um, if you if you play this game, like you said, a couple weeks later, maybe you've got some more film on on what they're trying to do. You can prepare for them a little better, and you got to figure that uh, you know with some of the personnel they've got, especially on defense, maybe there's a little attrition there injury wise, and and you don't get them at full strength. So just an unfortunate time to to play them, I think. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna not panic like I did after week one last year, and uh, and and not just hit the button. So. Don't hit the think, uh, fire Joe Barry button. I'm not. After yeah, I'm not. I'm not there yet. We're uh, like you said, there's there's a real there's a real good chance this team is five and two after six weeks from now. So we'll see yeah. what happens. All right, guys, we'll uh, keep it tuned into the feed this week. We're going to have you or we're going to have shows for you guys daily. Uh, go to acupackingcompany.com. We're going to have a billion breakdowns. We're going to have snap counts immediately uh, Monday morning. Um, to keep it tuned in, hopefully uh, we get some good injury news these uh, next couple of days. Fingers crossed.